Good afternoon, it's Jacinta Burton with your Friday afternoon headlines. Japan's former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has been rushed to hospital with heart failure after allegedly being shot during a campaign speech in Western Japan, according to public television station NHK. The broadcaster aired footage showing Abe collapsed on the street with several security guards running towards him. Abe was holding his chest when he collapsed with his shirt smeared with blood. NHK reported Abe Abe was rushed to hospital. Witnesses reported hearing gunshots in the apparent attack in Nara, some 480 kilometres west of capital Tokyo. The 67-year-old, who twice served as president of Japan, was making an election campaign speech ahead of Sunday's poll for Parliament's upper house. Police arrested a male suspect at the scene on suspicion of attempted murder. And in other news, the state's Attorney General Caroline Spencer says transparency around contracts like the McGowan government's controversial Huawei deal is vitally important. Speaking on 6PR this morning, Ms Spencer was asked if the terminated contract with the Chinese telco, which has cost taxpayers $6.6 million to settle and another $120 million to organise a fresh agreement with Nokia, would be examined. She conceded that could be a possibility, stressing the importance of transparency when it comes to major transactions. The original contract with Huawei had been under scrutiny since 2018 because of concerns about having a Chinese company involved in supplying radio communication technology for Perth's rail network. Huawei was banned from bidding for the national 5G network rollout by the federal government, but the McGowan government preserved the rail contract until Huawei said it could not deliver on the deal. That contract was worth more than two $206 million. The new deal with Nokia, which was signed late last year but kept under wraps until last month, has cost $327 million. Ms Spencer said governments must release information about expenditure as soon as possible to ensure taxpayers are informed before they head to the ballot box. And the state opposition is lobbying the corruption watchdog to launch an inquiry into disturbing allegations the WA Labor Party sought to expedite the G2G process for those lining the party's pockets. The explosive allegations were made in court by one of Deputy Premier Roger Cook's former staffers, Sonia Spasoyevic, during a public service appeal board hearing called to review her dismissal. Under oath, she claimed that she was asked to help process G2G applications for the party's donors. In a statement released this afternoon, opposition leader Mia Davies confirmed she'd written to the Triple C, raising concerns about the allegations of preferential treatment, which she said were serious and warranted further investigation. WA Liberal leader David Honey said the allegations were extremely disturbing and, if true, would have occurred at the same time that Premier Mark McGowan was stressing just how important it was to do the right thing. And up next, political editor Gary Adsett provides highlights from this morning's interview with Caroline Spencer. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, click through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections.
In the last month alone, she's called out Dave Kelly for refusing to answer questions over a $200,000 grant to the AWU. She's investigated the Construction Training Fund and labelled it an alarming fraud risk. She's even slapped the government on the wrist for cost overruns on major infrastructure projects. Her name is Caroline Spencer and she's the state's Auditor General and in the absence of a robust opposition, she's been among the state government's most vocal critics. And Gary... You had the pleasure of sitting down with her on 6PR this morning. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because of the uh, prolific nature of her reporting at the moment and some of the areas that she's covering, I just thought let's uh, get her in the studio and have a chat and perhaps that leads on, to, of course, to a, a business news a report too online or maybe even in the magazine. I just thought to myself, given we don't have a, a, a strong opposition at the moment uh, on the basis of their numbers, that she is in a very strong position herself to look at accountability within government and to look at some of the issues. So yeah, I asked her in and she was more than happy to give me half an hour of her time and we got through quite a bit. And what was most fascinating for me was hearing Miss Spencer describe the scope of the Auditor General's office. And I'll read back to you some of the quotes, uh, some of the words she used specifically. She said the office is not just focused on matters of financial materiality, but matters of substance. And she also said it had all the same powers as the C, except for covert surveillance, including coercive powers. What does it mean that WA has such an office? It means that it's not all about the Corruption and Crime Commission looking at at these kind of matters, which we know a lot of that goes on behind closed doors. To have an Auditor-General who is able to ask public servants to come and talk to them, is able to demand documents are provided, it means that it keeps those agencies certainly on their toes, not because they're worried about necessarily corruption as such, but just how they're performing their duties because, after all, they are there to serve the public. So the fact that we've got another office where a person like Carolyn and whoever may be the Auditor-General can see something that's not right and go in and ask questions and get answers to it and then put it out there very publicly in a report is a good thing. She even said to me, you know, that it's not about bringing down corrupt officials. It's about making sure that those who are running these departments and local government agencies are fully aware of their duties to the ratepayers and the taxpayers. And she, you know, she, as, as you'll know, she elaborates on that during the course of that interview. Paul White, he stole $22 million of taxpayer money. He's been jailed. It was the biggest known instance of public sector fraud in Australian history. What did she have to say about that? Uh, I, well, I watched her eyes roll when, when I was asking her about Paul White because clearly that's a benchmark, isn't it, in the public sector for someone like an Auditor General to try and figure out how a person who was so senior in a department was able to siphon out that amount of money to buy racehorses and to bet whenever he wanted to have a bet on racehorses. Surely for an Auditor General, that is an alarming uh, thing. Now, she did say to me that they had seen weaknesses in the auditing processes of the Department of Communities. We'll call it Department of Housing Communities because obviously he was a Deputy Director General who oversaw a lot of uh, the issues around housing. So she said that they did warn the department of weaknesses within their auditing processes. Now, that's not saying they knew that there was this guy at the top who was putting in invoices that he was you know, fraudulently creating himself. They didn't know that level of detail, but they could see that there weren't a- enough checks and balances on expenditure and uh, double-checking that things are being done right in terms of why these invoices are coming in. That one there is a classic case, and I, I raised it with her, of if you're so high up the ladder... No one asks questions. 
you know, I pointed out that if, if someone who's further down the ladder in the workforce, you know, puts in a, a taxi receipt for a trip to somewhere, uh, they might get hauled in by their line manager and asked why they didn't catch a bus or get a lift there or whatever the case may be. This guy was just writing out invoices that were fake and getting them signed. Why? Because he was the boss and everyone thinks you can trust the boss. What we have seen, and she agreed, is that in the public sector in the last few years, the stories, the big stories, have been about very senior people getting away with this stuff. So really... The public sector shouldn't necessarily be worried about Joe Blow working you know, as a level three. They need to have many more robust measures in place to ensure that people who you think you can trust because they've made it all the way through to the top are being looked at very closely. And she totally agreed with that and, and is working on more protocols and processes around that to try and remind the public sector that just because you're a boss doesn't mean you can't be corrupt or incompetent. And that leads into the question you asked her about broader trends she's observed. And when you asked her what is in the offings, she said it's a fascinating time. What did she mean by that? Well, she said fascinating time because the public sector as a whole is coming out of pandemic uh, mode. And she's, she's suggesting that during that, everyone went into that. Every, every bit of resource and everybody's thinking was all around the pandemic and she said that they blinkered themselves so much on the pandemic that they stopped looking at how they should be functioning for the taxpayer, what they should be doing within their department to serve the taxpayer, because it all became very closeted and processes were put in place. And she's suggesting that it's so clumsy that they've lost their way. I mean, she told me that she'd written to uh, every head of department, uh, ministers and the premier, to say, you need to all come out of your cocoons now, stop thinking so insularly about the pandemic and start getting on with the business of being in public service and that's what it means being in public service she said fascinating time in terms of some of the trends she gave me an indication that those trends were mainly around incompetence and clumsy systems or not secure enough systems when it comes to information technology and whatnot but she said suggested that there's you know lots of interesting reports to come Gary, I hope you speak to her again because she's doing some thankless work and getting amazing results for it. To read more, head to businessnews.com.au, uh, including insights from Gary's interview with Ms Spencer. In the meantime, Gary, thanks for sitting down with me this afternoon. No problem, thanks. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.